0: For 50 years, Ebar, an alien from planet Rykos, has lived in human form on Earth as Kyle Johnson. When Ebar gets into a fight at the sewage treatment plant, where he works, he is put into jail. A jailer overhears Ebar trying to contact his home planet and tells the authorities. Ebar is sent to the psychiatric ward of Buffalo County Hospital for evaluation where he eventually comes under the care of Jeremy Slater. Jeremy is a young mental health professional and Ibar's case is his first assignment. No one believes that Ibar is an alien. More to the point, everyone thinks he's crazy. After working with his patient for a month, Jeremy begins to believe Ibar truly is who he says he is and concocts a plan If Eba will quit talking about being an alien and pretend he is human, Jeremy will work with him so he can get released from the hospital and go on living his life. Eba agrees. Jeremy's egotistical boss, Dr. Richard Andrews, has other ideas. He and a friend at the Pentagon have come up with a plan of their own. Andrews will take over the case and announce to the world that Ebar really is an alien. Andrews figures it will make him famous. His plan is to keep Ebar locked up and study him for the rest of his life. Jeremy is appalled. He and Ebar have become friends and he can't allow Andrews to take control of his friend's life. Aided by co-worker Julie and her partner Ren, the four of them, go on the run, with thugs sent by the Pentagon in hot pursuit. This is a story about good and evil, and is a mirror held up to the times we live in. Ultimately though, it is a story of friendship, a friendship that changes the lives of both Eba and Jeremy, forever. Jim Bates's Alien of Orchard Lake. Get your copy now at MythMont.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on, my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Let your weary head
1: to rest don't you, cry. don't you cry Hey everybody and welcome to what is probably one of my least liked episodes, Um, I do it every October, and I know that there are a few listeners, I'm not naming names, that (laughs) don't necessarily like the um, topic of choice for, Ah, hang on, I gotta get comfortable because, you know, I was an idiot and didn't think to do that before I started, and I'm dropping everything, okay, there we go, (sighs) dropped a book, which I need. Okay, so, um, and if you've listened to past October podcasts, I usually do uh, Halloween the entire month of October. I usually do um, spooky, spiritual, or urban legendy kind of things. I didn't this year um, for a variety of reasons. Because you can only regurgitate the same stuff for so many times before people just eventually stop tuning in. So, (laughs) I kind of shortened my um, spooky window to two weeks. So this week is the what is Halloween, what is Samhain, where did it all come from, what is the veil, blah, blah, blah. And next week will be um, scary stories you tell in the dark. (laughs) Which is a really good movie, by the way. You need to watch that movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, That's on my watch list for tonight, depending on whether I'm sleeping or not. So, housekeeping. Let's get that out of the way. Oh, this is episode 144. 144, which I forgot like a minute and a half ago when I should have probably said it. But, you know, I got it in there in the first two minutes. You're still here, so we'll carry on. Um housekeeping so we had a new book come out uh through dark myth dark myth or was it m kids it was dark myth i'm thinking it should have been m kids but you know it's dark myth (laughs) in hindsight it probably should have been in our children's library but we put it out under um Dark Myth Publications. And that is Dragon Sun Tales by Walter G. Esselman. It's a short story anthology of Gideon, a young boy raised by a dragon, and Pavitaro, his um, adopted dragon brother. He's a dragon. And their adventures um, throughout this land. And it's a really good book in the sense that each story is a stand. each short, st- <clears throat> try that again. Sorry, Walter. Each short story is a standalone story, but there is a larger theme to them all. So they all kind of connect together to the novella at the end of the book. It's a fantastic read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Which is why it was published. Um, Nothing that I don't like gets published. Just so y'all are aware, I have final say. And if I don't like it, then it doesn't get presented to the board. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) It's true. If I don't think it is publish worthy, if I don't think it's ready, I don't bring it to the board. So there you go. If it's been published, then I think it is a good book. Um, So I don't need to tell you every time that I loved it because I obviously did. Um, I love Gideon and Pavitaro. I have since the very first story that Walter submitted to the World of Myth magazine. But I will say, out of all of the Gideon and Pavitaro adventures, my favorite is, was, and probably always will be. Pumpkin Sue. I absolutely loved pumpkin Sue. I loved her as a character. I loved the story surrounding her the smart acidness of Pavitaro um, and Gideon just kind of like what like Pavitaro is is <laughs> he kills me he is uh, if I were to ever have a dragon it would be him. his sense of humor. Runs borderline almost bullying in a funny sense. Like Gideon is his best friend, and he tells people he is my best friend, but he is also an emergency snack because he is a dragon. So he calls Gideon lunch meat. That is his pet name, his nickname for Gideon lunch meat. (laughs) Because lunch meat is a small snack, he's not a full meal, he's a kid, so he's a small snack. So, yeah, it's, uh, I love pumpkin soup, and that's kind of an appropriate story for this month, being that it is all about pumpkins. Um, those Starbucks yuppie type folks, as soon as, you know, they see the first hint of a change in the colors on the leaf, it's, oh my god, it's pumpkin spice! (laughs) I am not a pumpkin spice person. What? chew swallow unmute repeat (laughs) preferably in that order don't swallow and then chew you're not a cow um (laughs) i took a bigger bite than he had anticipated and then had a thought don't you hate that when you're listening to somebody and they're telling a story and you're eating um And you take a big bite and then they say something that is very thought provoking and you have a profound statement to make and you have three quarters of a steak shoved into your mouth. And you can't and it doesn't matter how fast you chew that it just seems to be multiplying in your mouth as you're trying to chew it and swallow it Uh, yes he's done now. Yes, we are currently boycotting Starbucks. I boycotted Starbucks forever because I don't like it. But um, the owner of. OK, so wait, wait, wait. <laughs> the opinions expressed in the next few minutes do not necessarily reflect, but they do reflect the opinions of the JSO Modcast podcast company. Network, sorry, not company, network, or the J's Dark Myth Company. We are, 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 oh, and this could get me in trouble with the fly that is spotted because this is political, Um, but we are boycotting Starbucks because they are supporting um, Hamas. End of story. I don't think I need to say anything more. Um, That's just the way it is. We're boycotting them, so. But I don't like Starbucks anyway. I think they're overpriced for bad coffee. Uh, I don't, I'm not a fancy coffee drinker. I like my cup of coffee with my hazelnut creamer, and that's it. Don't add any, do not ever, in any scenario, for any reason, give me half-calf. If I'm drinking caffeinated, I want high test. I don't want some half caffeinated crap. I don't want decaf. Decaf coffee does not exist in my realm. If I'm drinking a coffee, I want high test. Now, my dad used to call, my mom is allergic to caffeine. So she would drink decaffeinated coffee. And they had a trailer up at my Kathy caffeine Uncle Jeff's cottage. So in the mornings, my mom would make a pot of decaf coffee and my dad would take his mug, kiss his wife and go across the driveway, knock on my Annie Kathy's door and stick his mug out and go, I'm here for some high test because they drank caffeinated coffee. <laughs> he would get his caffeinated coffee and go back over to the trailer and drink coffee with my mom. But he called it high test because my Uncle Jeff likes everything in excess. So if it's got caffeine, it's pretty much espresso. If it's got spice, it's pretty much three times the heat of a ghost pepper. He's got to do everything big. He's got to do everything in excess and it's got to be better than everybody else. My ex and I bought a TV with our income tax money one year. It was a 52 inch TV we were so happy. We were so proud that we could afford this really nice TV. My uncle got wind of the fact that our TV was now bigger than his. So now they lived in a cottage that they had refinished, rebuilt, redone. It was beautiful. They didn't have children, so they have more money than God. And um They redid their cottage, and that's where they lived permanently when they retired. So they have this their living room, this huge what was what is called a Muskoka room. Now, if you're not from Canada, if you're not from Ontario, you have absolutely no idea what a Muskoka room is. A Muskoka room is basically what is called the great room. There is an entire wall of windows that looks out onto a beautiful view. Theirs was of the lake. Vaulted ceilings, um, just open concept, huge room. And it was divided into a a formal sitting area, the dining area, and then the living area where they had bumper pool, and um, which is a, a version of pool, but it's played on a really cool little table. And they had a chessboard table that you could sit at. They had the deck that you could go out on and sit in the Muskoka chairs. Again, Adirondack chairs, for those of you that are not of the Muskoka realm. <laughs> um, so, But they had this little nook where he had his TV. Yeah, right over your head. Do you know what an Adirondack chair is? Apparently not. Okay. Uh, I can't even describe what kind of... They're usually made of wood, but now they make them out of plastic. Um, It's kind of slanted. The back is slanted. The seat is slanted. It's got arms. Google it. Now you know what I'm talking about. Okay, see, now he's got it. Anyway, so they had this nook. And he had this built-in... Well, no, he had a, a TV stand... Cabinets, lights, glass, you know, big fancy schmancy. Well, he couldn't have it be that I had a bigger TV than he did, because I was on the low end of the respect pool for the family, because we were pole folk, and in his mind, pole folk mean uneducated. It's funny, though, because I have somehow rapidly moved up the ranks of of respectability in his eyes over the years. And I'm not exactly sure how I managed to do that. Um, It's really come up in the last three years. (laughs) I'm not going to say it, but, you know. um, Anyway, (laughs) I have been divorced for three years now. Four years. So, you know. Anyway. um, So he went and bought a 72-inch, I think, or an 80-inch TV. Because, again, we had a 52-inch. He had to have one, like, almost twice as, as big as ours. Now I have three, three eighty-five. Wait, three what? 372 three seventy-two inch. I have one, five, eighty. a oh, one eighty inch, one seventy-two inch, and then I have two more little ones here. So yeah. <coughs> um. Anyway. So he went and bought this 72-inch TV, but he never measured the TV stand first to make sure that this honking-ass TV was going to (laughs) fit. Guess what? It didn't fit. So he bought a new TV stand to put in this nook. Guess what? It didn't fit so yeah he ended up having to take it all back my aunt was fit to be tied he had to take it all back and he ended up with the same size tv that we had so it was kind of funny i don't know where i was going with that story but anyway <laughs> uh oh caffeine right so we're boycotting starbucks oh, wow came around in a roundabout way um yeah, I'm, I'm not a fancy coffee drinker. I can't stand pump, pumpkin spice. I don't even like pumpkin um, pie. I don't like anything pumpkin flavored. I'm not a pumpkin person. Now, I did have a really good pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving that my nephew made. And I just had a little sliver of it because I'm not a big pumpkin fan. And it was really good. I was really impressed. I don't like my mother's pumpkin pie, but I did like his pumpkin pie. It was very good. I can't make a pumpkin pie to save my soul. There are witnesses out there that can attest to this, that it was bad. And I actually told the story at Thanksgiving (laughs) of my attempt at making a homemade pumpkin pie. And using the container that says pre-mixed pumpkin pie seasoning, spices. And my 12-year-old nephew looked at me. No, 13. He's 13 now. Yeah, he's 13. My 13 year old nephew looked at me and shook his head and went, No, never ever use the premixed stuff. I'm like, now you tell me. Because on the can of the premixed pumpkin seasoning stuff, it doesn't tell you how much to use per pie. So I guessed. And I just kept dumping it in until it stunk. Because. That's what pumpkin pie smells like to me. It doesn't smell very appealing. So I just kept putting spices in until it smelled like that not appealing pumpkin pie smell. Apparently, it wasn't enough (laughs) because after it was cooked and they tasted it, they were getting the spice out of the cupboard and actually putting more spice on the pie and about a half a can of whipped cream so that they could eat it and I wouldn't feel (laughs) bad. That was, oh my gosh, my pies were an absolute nightmare. Um, I made lemon meringue. I think my problem was that I tried to do everything from scratch. So I made pie crust from scratch. That was my biggest mistake. Um, I should have just used pie crust, pre-made pie crust. There's nothing wrong. There is no shame in buying a pre-made pie crust. That is what I made my pecan pie with, except I screwed that up too and used walnuts instead of pecans, but it was a happy little accident. It turned out very well, and I was told that that was probably the best thing that I've ever made. <laughs> Somebody enjoyed it very, very much and is looking forward to another one. <laughs> so, um yeah, I tried to make my own pie crust. Um, Now, my apple pie turned out really well. The pie crust was a little thick, but my apple pie turned out really well. I did a nice lattice work on the top of it, um, which Dave was kind of thought really cool because no one had ever made a lattice work pumpkin pie or apple pie before. So the pumpkin pie was a nightmare. Uh, The lemon meringue, I had a really hard time. Am I supposed to wrap this up? Are you telling me to wrap this up? Is that what this was? Oh, he's got a phone call. Okay. Um, I was like, what do you mean wrap it up? <laughs> I just started. What the hell? Anyway, uh, yeah, my, my, uh, my pumpkin pie was a nightmare. My apple pie was decent. My lemon meringue was, All right, I suppose. Um. but my, my walnut pie was good. So, anyway, um, we're boycotting this. All of this has come about from we're boycotting um, Starbucks. Now, I'm just going to Google because I'm going by secondhand information. So, I am going to Google... Just to make sure that I'm getting this right. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so now I'm confused. So Jewish organizations call to boycott Starbucks over unions support. So the Starbucks Workers' Unions said in a statement. Okay, hold on. Uh, Orthodox Jewish Chamber of Commerce has boycotted Starbucks, calling on others to follow suit after the barista... Oh, My foot's asleep! ...after the barista union voiced support for Hamas. The Orthodox Jewish Chamber of Commerce, along with its partners is calling for a widespread boycott of Starbucks after the company's union-voiced support of Hamas. This, the OJC is arguing, will send a strong message against the normalization of violence and hatred. The OJC's boycott comes in response to Starbucks Workers United Union statement in which the company has expressed solidarity with Hamas, according to a press release. The union, which represents nearly 9,000 baristas, is making a highly controversial statement that may potentially severely affect their revenues, much like other instances where companies have made similar debatable choices, the OJC warned. Now, when Ben and Jerry's ice cream boycotted certain areas in Israel, for instance, their profits dropped susta- uh, substantially. In other instances, after hiring Dylan, <laughs> after hiring Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender influencer, as their pre- presenter, Bud Light also suffered financial losses. Indeed, according to New York Times, following this controversial choice, Bud Light's sales slumped. But these marketing campaigns, regardless of their debatable choices, were not endorsed endorsing a massacre. Notably, Hamas's recent attacks on Israeli civilians consists of crimes against humanity. Substantiating this, ABC News reported that Agnes Calamard, Amnesty International's Secretary General, said in response to Hamas's latest attacks that massacring civilians is a war crime and there can be no justification for these reprehensible attacks. Therefore, the OJC said they are calling for a ban on Starbucks. Please join us in raising awareness about this distressing issue. So there you go. That is from the Orthodox Jewish Chamber of Commerce. So they're the ones calling for the boycott because of a statement that um, Starbucks Workers Union made now. That being said, this is uh, the latest. I think Starbucks is now trying to save face because head office is now claiming that they do not agree with the union's stance. And Starbucks employees could be fired for supporting Hamas attacks in Israel. So we're still boycotting Starbucks. Because either way, it makes no difference to me. I don't drink Starbucks, so I'm not saving money. I'm not losing money. Um, in my opinion, this whole thing is starting to look a lot like... Um, I don't want to say it, because I don't want people coming at me, but it's starting to look a lot like what happened in Nazi Germany. Where they were trying to eradicate an entire people. So anyway. Um, yeah, Dragon Sun Tales short story anthology. <laughs> By Walter G. Slowman is now on sale. <laughs> That's an awful way to come back to housekeeping, isn't it? Oh my goodness. All right. Um, more housekeeping. So. I get a round of applause for that. Thank you very much. You can also get Cowboys vs. Nazis by Walter G. Esselman at MythMart.com. Um, also, I want to put out a gentle reminder to those that have purchased um, hard copies of the World of Myth magazine. It does state on the order page. And let me just take you there so I can read it to you word for word so that I am not misquoted or getting it wrong. Ow, I think I just cut my finger with my fingernail. Little suckers get sharp. Or my skin just gets really thin. I don't know. Okay, so... It says in big, bold letter, capital letters, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. As you know, we do not keep um, things like this in stock uh, because it is a monthly magazine that once the month is over, the magazine becomes technically irrelevant and we've moved on to the next month. If you want a hard copy, it will take six to eight weeks because it is print-on-demand. So please allow six to eight weeks from the time of ordering before you're emailing um, and wondering where your book is, where your copy is. Okay, just please, it's a request. Uh, Be patient, people, be patient. It takes time to create a masterpiece. I am still a work in progress it takes time to create a masterpiece anyway so I think uh oh right and we have now closed submissions for um our monster thought or zombie works monsterthology monsterthology no monster within tales of a tortured mind anthology see there was monster and and anthology I just wrong series of books um and the editing contracts have started to go out i do believe we're gonna go with yes contracts have started to go out um whether or not it's for the anthology i don't know but contracts have started to go out for something um. <laughs> and um everybody should be notified Uh, By the end of next week, we're going to say that by the end of next week, as to whether or not they made the anthology. Thank you to everybody who submitted. Um, And that will be published on October. roll, please. 31st. Yeah, that's a Tuesday. October 31st is a Tuesday. Um so yeah, it's coming out on Halloween. Woo-hoo! Which is my segue into today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> like how I did that, huh? Okay. So, Halloween is coming. And um you know me, I'm a spiritual person. I don't follow a specific um a spiritual path. I have kind of reconciled everything that is spiritual about me, what I believe, what I, I live by, what I, I have incorporated into my spirituality, which is why I say I am spiritual. I am neither fully pagan, neither am I fully Christian. I am kind of an amalgamation of the two. I believe in certain Christian concepts and I know there are people that are listening that are now smashing their heads against the wall, gnashing their teeth and going, no, you don't. You're brainwashed. Shut up. (laughs) I love you. And I say this with all of the love and respect for in my heart for you. Shut up. It is my spirituality. It's my path. I have to walk. It is where I need to feel connected and comfortable. And this is where I feel connected and comfortable. Some days I pray to the mother. Some days I need that feminine energy because feminine energy is the only energy that is going to understand what I am going through, what I am dealing with, and what I am facing. Other days I pray to God. Because it is what I was raised with. It is what I was comfortable with. It was what I knew. And it was how I would connect in my younger days before I rebelled and um, left the church for reasons of my own. And in all reality, it had nothing really to do with the teachings. It had more to do with the man that was doing the teaching, um, the pastor of my— the. the Minister, pastor, I can't remember what he's called, of my church was not an ethical man. He was not a holy man. He was a very judgmental man. And I was raised up to the point of him becoming um, the pastor of our church that the only person with the ability to pass judgment on you was God on judgment day. (laughs) And I'm sorry. But today is not that day. Yesterday was not that day. I am still breathing. So all of the days up until today have not been that day. So he had no business passing judgment on anybody. And the really funny part about it is that while he was passing judgment on the young parishioners of his church, specifically the female ones, um, he was running a whorehouse in Toronto. Because he left our church and became a John in Toronto. Or not a John, but a, a pimp, or whatever. I don't know, he had a big cowboy hat and a fur coat in Toronto. Yeah, 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 really, yeah, really. <laughs> but this is after he shamed and berated a young girl for getting pregnant. He brought her up to the front of the church in front of the entire congregation and shamed her in front of everybody. Tell me that's not child abuse. She was 17 years old. She made a mistake. She chose... To carry that child instead of aborting it, which is what our church taught. She chose to face her mistakes and own up to her mistakes and take responsibility for her actions. And he brought her before the entire congregation and literally called her the whore of Babylon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was bad. And that I I, we left church that day and my mom knew I was upset and I was angry and confused. Because up to that point, we were taught that we could go to our pastor with problems. We could talk to our, our, our minister if we had issues. And I didn't feel I could talk to him about anything. At that point, she had gone to him for spiritual guidance and he shamed her in front of the entire congregation. And her parents allowed this. Her parents didn't say nothing about it. They just took the sympathy from the congregation. Oh, I am so sorry that you have to carry this burden that she has shamed your family. What? oh, shut up. So I left the church. And there were things in my past, like I had always questioned um, things throughout my lifetime. And that was kind of the, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Like, okay, you know what? I have asked and asked and asked and asked, where are you? Where have, Why are you allowing something like this to happen? How could you allow something like this to happen? And I was always quoted, suffer the little children. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Wait, what? <laughs> why? Because the Bible tells us that we are born of original sin, so we have to suffer? We didn't do shit, man. We didn't ask to be here. But we have to suffer. Mm, no. So that was something that I had a very hard time reconciling. That, you know, no matter how good I was, no matter how well behaved I was, no matter how much I prayed and I was, you know, pure in intent. And I mean, you can never be entirely pure in intent. You're human. You're going to have bad thoughts. Bad things still happened. <laughs> Stop it. Bad things still happened. So I questioned that. That's why I left the church. And I I tried a variety of paths. Um finally settled on Wicca because at that point in time I kind of needed structure. It was more for structure than anything else. And then I kind of got away from I got away from that very quickly. Um, it just seemed a little, I don't know, (sighs) hypocritical. Okay. I'm going to, it was hypocritical because they were looking down their nose at the church and yet they were calling archangels in to protect them while they did their thing. Wait, what? That's like saying all cops are bad. But, come save my ass if somebody's beating on me. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. That makes sense. So, I found it a little hypocritical. Um, And I couldn't get away from the spiritual teachings that I'd had as a child. My grandfather was a very spiritual man. Um, He was a good Christian. He was a good husband. He was a good father. He was an amazing grandfather and he was the one that I kind of looked to the most for spiritual guidance. And, um, as I got older and probably into my forties, I started having, um, Spiritual crises, but I'm in a place now where I am comfortable with my spiritual path. I am comfortable with where I sit with my beliefs. I am comfortable with what I believe. And I'm comfortable with the fact that it makes other people uncomfortable. And that's not my problem. That is not a loop of problem. That is a them problem. And they need to figure out why my spiritual path makes them uncomfortable. Because. They don't have to walk it. They don't have to. Be part of it, because I, I think spirituality and and faith. Is something that's very personal. Your relationship with a higher power is very personal. It's between you and them, not you and her and him and that group over there and the people down the street and your cousins and deity. No, it is between you and deity. That's it. There needs to be nobody else in between. It's you and them. That's it. So my relationship, my spiritual path, my spiritual relationship is between me and them. And I say them because I need a duality. It may be one entity, but it's I am a very balance oriented person. I need balance and I struggle with keeping balance in my life so having my spiritual side be balanced kind of gives me what i need so like i said i am very comfortable with where i sit with my spirituality with my faith and with my beliefs i i i, I, I just Completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> anyway, uh, faith. Right. Okay. Back to faith. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm comfortable with where I sit. I am a mix of both. I believe in things from both, and. The reason why, and this is going to, you're going to like think I'm off my rocker, is because I have proof. And it's not that I need proof because faith is not based on proof. Fact is based on proof. Faith is based on belief. If you believe, you have to have enough faith to believe. But you have to believe to have enough faith. See what I did there? that's kind of profound. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of that one. So I I I have faith-based proof. Because I believe what I saw, I believe what I experienced to be true. And that's where faith comes in. That's where belief comes in because it's your perception of a situation. And that's all that matters is your perception of a situation, a spiritual situation that will make or break your faith or belief. So I have had instances where I have seen God at work. I have felt his presence. I don't always acknowledge him because I'm still not talking to him. I hang out more with his kid than with him. JC and I are good. And when I pray, a lot of times, that's who I pray to. Like, dude, we need to talk. That's kind of how I start my prayers. It's not like, dear Lord, I bow my head and I pray. No. That is way too structured for me. Because I want to feel like I have a relationship with my deity that I can. uh, You would your best friend. You would pick up the phone and go, bitch, listen. I got a problem. That's, I, now I don't call him bitch. I have respect. <laughs> he is, you know, <laughs> um, or when I'm talking to the Virgin Mary, when I say I need the feminine aspect of deity or whatever name. Now, yeah, you're going to find this readjusting my pillow. Interesting. I will use whatever name, whatever aspect. Say I need more of a mother, more of a a, um, warrior mother, angry mother, mama bear kind of energy to get me through a tough situation, which I actually needed two nights ago. I needed some tough love mama bear energy because I was going through a situation. That I needed to be strong for. I needed to be firm. And hold my ground. <laughs> so I kind of needed that. hecate type energy. Um, and then there was a situation. About a year ago. And I was dealing with a young girl, and I needed softer, gentler energy. I needed patience. I needed perseverance. I needed um, unconditional love. I needed to be not so much guided, but helped with that unconditional love. So that was the Virgin Mary. Uh, Yo, Mary, come on come sit with me, have a cup of tea. I need some help. The situation the other day, I was like, all right, you know what? Strap up. Let's go. I I am gearing up for a battle and I need some tough love mama energy. So while I'm talking to the same person, the same entity, I may use a different name. It's kind of like talking to your husband or your boyfriend or, your, your significant other. You don't always call them by their given name. Sometimes they're babe. Sometimes they're baby. Sometimes they're hun. Sometimes they're asshole. It depends on the situation and what it calls for. <laughs> so you see, a name is just a name. A name is just a representation of an aspect that you're asking for. Okay, so now that I have given you a lesson into my belief and my spirituality, let's move on to what this podcast is actually supposed to be about. <laughs> kind of ran off the rails, but it went off the rails in a really good way. I don't feel like I need to justify what I believe anymore. I don't feel like I need to um explain or soften or make comparative um make acceptable to whoever I happen to be talking to. So I don't feel like I need to make it more esoteric and alternative when I'm speaking to those of that belief system. And I don't feel like I need to make it more Christian and more um, godlike when I'm speaking to people of that spiritual path. I am what I am. I believe what I believe. And through that belief system, I have actually come to a very good place with myself spiritually. Emotionally, I'm still a wreck. I still have work to do on that. Physically, oh, we're not even going to go there. (laughs) But that's also going to be worked on. So I might eventually have two out of three. Um, And, you know, like Meatloaf says, two out of three ain't bad. Um, The emotional side is fairly decent for the most part. I have past trauma that um, will take a long time to heal, will take a long time to reconcile, and it may never be healed because I don't think trauma is necessarily healed as it is um, accepted and um, learned to live with. It gets easier to live with it. You become numb to it. So, in all of that, it's October. <laughs> were you going to say something? Oh, okay, I thought you were muting me again because you didn't want small people to hear what I was saying. Okay. Uh, it's October. So, I am going to read to you, first of all. Was really? Dude, he doesn't want to talk to you. (laughs) If you're listening to my podcast, I'm just telling you, he doesn't want to talk to you. Even though he does talk to you and doesn't tell me because he knows what I'll say, he doesn't want to talk to you. (laughs) He has no money for you. Okay, so. uh, Where is I? I should have put these in order. I have several tabs open, which is generally nothing new when I am doing a podcast. So, uh, I don't even know where I am. Okay, so, is this the one I want? I defend to find the one that talks about Persephone. That occurs in October. I don't even think this page is helpful at all. I'm not even sure why I brought it up. It's got like the history of October. History of the word October, which is really funny because octo means eight and yet it's the 10th month. Don't think it's supposed to be. Deca means 10 and that's the 12th month. Sept is seven, is it not? Yeah. Sept is seven, and that's the ninth month. (laughs) Somebody screwed up the calendar somewhere. (laughs) Okay, so in ancient Rome, the norm followed an eighth month calendar. October was the name of the eighth month, originating from the octo, the Latin word for eight. See, told you. Later, the Romans switched to a 12-month calendar and attempted to rename October using names of emperors or influential figures. The name stayed, but we have no information as to why it was reinstated as the 10th month. October is frequently associated with the days full of changing leaves, chilly weather, and building holiday excitement in the northern hemisphere. Now, It's known for Halloween celebrations and has many local, national, and international holidays. Several U.S. states have designated October as Hindu Legacy Month, including Texas, Florida, New Jersey, Ohio, and Massachusetts. These governments note that Hinduism has contributed substantially to America via its unique history and heritage. Every year in late September and early October, Munich, Germany hosts... Da, 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 can you guess it? Do you know what it is? What is Germany host? Come on, come on. You can drink beer, eat sausage. Oktoberfest, two-week celebration. It attracts six million visitors annually and has sparked the creation of additional Oktoberfest-themed events in Germany and other, com- companies, other countries, many of which were started by German immigrants or their offspring. Uh, Black History Month is in October. Uh, October 4th is World Animal Day. Uh, October is also Breast Cancer Awareness. Breast Cancer Awareness. Suddenly I had a lisp. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. uh, World White Cane Day. Which is for the... Hang on! Um, I'm podcasting a little earlier than normal because I really don't want to be dealing with what we're going to be talking about eventually. Um, I'm almost an hour in and I haven't even gotten to the top of the conversation yet. Um, when it's really late, so uh national coming out day is in october spirit day um is in october asexual awareness week uh, okay is in october um international day for the eradication of poverty is observed (laughs) yeah really where where because it's not here Um, Scorpio and Libra are the two zodiac signs that are active in October. Diwali is the most anticipated Indian holiday, and it occurs in October. This lovely event symbolizes the triumph of good over evil, wisdom over ignorance, and light over darkness. Uh, October is a highly potent spiritual month and is traditionally regarded as one of the busiest months for the magical world. A particular time of year when spiritual spiritual activity is more common than any other period and the barrier separating our world from the other realms is at its thinnest. You will hear me discuss the veil, the thinning of the veil. Um, It's a time to celebrate both the visible and invisible realms, including the physical world and the world of mystery, imagination and spirit. Presence of magical energy during this period. Uh, One of West Bengal's most well-known and India's most significant holidays is in October. Um, In numerology, eight is a sign of prosperity, abundance, peace, and fertility. So if you do not want to get pregnant during the month of of October, and you possibly could get pregnant during the month of October, don't have sex. Just saying, don't have sex. Um, With the hopes that their crops would proved to be ample farmers often gather their harvests in October. This period will be the foundation for many people's whole financial year, emphasizing its importance. Its infinite physical form serves as a concrete reminder of the cyclical sil- and repeated aspect of existence, which is particularly helpful in the business world. However, you can also use that idea with far more spiritual meaning to keep its mind. Keep in mind that difficult times will pass. Furthermore, neither will the good and prosperous times, so you must savor them while you can. Um, that was definitely not what I thought it was going to be, but it's okay because it still worked. And oh, that's why I. Did, okay, so that's why I opened that page. There's also a lot of energy work that tends to happen in October with the thinning of the veil. Uh... Ah, here it is. Okay, so in Greek mythology, the thinning of the veil was represented by Persephone's departure to the underworld. There is, in Greek and Roman mythology, a literal doorway to the world of the dead, That only becomes accessible during this time of year. And I happened to see all of this was the lead in to a poem that I wanted to read you that I wrote um, about this time of year. I wrote several actually about this time of year. I get really inspired in October uh, for poems on, you know, death and dying and um, the veil and things like that. So this one is called um, Persephone's Heart. You can find it in my book called Musings from Me, which is available. Uh, Yes, this is a shameless self-promotion. It's at MythMart. So this is Persephone's Heart. And this is kind of what happens um, in the spring. But this is her right now would be. When she would go back to, if you know the story of Persephone um, and the pomegranate seeds, Hades kidnapped Persephone. Demeter lost her mind. And Persephone basically made a deal with Hades. Look, I will stay with you for a certain amount of time. He split a pomegranate. He said, "Okay, however many seeds stay on your side of the pomegranate. That's how long you stay. However many or whatever, however many seeds is how long you stay and how long you go. So she split the pomegranate and six seeds stayed on one side, six seeds stayed on the other side. So she would spend six months in um, Hades or in hell with in the underworld with Hades and six months in our realm with Demeter. So when she goes back to the underworld to Hades. Demeter is again heartbroken and sad and everything died because Demeter is the one that brings life and spring and plants and flowers and green and all of the lovely things. Um, And when she, her daughter leaves again, like any mother would, she gets sad and depressed and miserable and everything is dark and gray and gloomy and cold and dead. (laughs) So this uh, Persephone's heart is more on um, the relationship between her and Hades or what I perceive the relationship to be. So, she pauses at the door, hand on the latch. It is time. She has made this trip before, but still she pauses, hand on the latch. The smallest of tugs deep in her chest turns her back towards the inside, where he sits, brooding in his drink, shadowed by the flicker of the fire. His rugged appearance is softened in the muted light as he stoically refuses to look at her. brutal hands that hold a world of souls have been gentle upon her face. A voice that could bring down all the mountains in the world has whispered softly in her ear, laughed with her, loved with her. She fingers the small locket at her throat, running her fingers over the smooth surface, gently shaking the six pieces of her fate that lay inside, and she smiles on silent feet she steals towards him she knows he feels her near the faintest of touch just a whisper she kisses his cheek his muscles twitch and she knows he smiled she has grown to love this man her captor again she heads for the door her heart light with anticipation of her visit for this is her home now here she will return so you know stockholm syndrome she fell in love with him (laughs) Um there's another one I want to share with you, uh which kind of I was standing in my old backyard underneath my grandmother maple tree. And a lot of these poems were what I call back deck inspirations. Um I would be standing out back having a cigarette because I used to smoke, and I would just be staring at the tree and these Poems, these words would just kind of appear in my head. I could see the entire poem written out in front of me um, in my head. And I would have to run back inside and find anything I could possibly find. These are two of those. And they came middle of October um, as I was standing outside, surrounded by all the leaves that had fallen off of this tree. So this one's called Dry Leaves and Brittle Bones. Dry bones clatter and the cold wind blows. Leaves, dried and brittle, skitter across the toe of my shoe. It is time for death, a time for dying, a time for those who have gone before, to walk among those that remain. The dark time is upon us, but if we stop, be still and listen. The love of those who have gone before will whisper through the branches of the fast asleep tree. Life will pulse and dance in the breath of the cold, and the promise of dry bones and brittle leaves will warm us until spring. Yes. Oh okay. Oh you're reading something that has absolutely nothing to do with me. Carry on. I won't let you interrupt my podcast. <laughs> I love you too. Okay, so this is the last one I'm gonna to read to you. And it really sums up, um, you're unnerving me, uh, really sums up this time of year and how everything is kind of what appears to be dying off. It's called I Am Death. The crunch of leaves reminds me that life once dwelled in this barren land. Vitality once flowed through the veins of the twisted roots beneath my feet. Hope graced the branches above and the dirt below. Helplessness skitters across my foot in the form of a dry brown leaf. The silence weighs heavy on my shoulders. I take a breath. I am done. I am death. And it's kind of as you, you walk through a forest at this time of year, you can see the um, overall decay in various forms as if death is walking through that forest and as it passes, the leaves shrivel and fall and the tree turns barren and cold and brittle. And then up ahead, there's still greenery because death hasn't got there yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's a very. October is a very mystical time. The end of October, the beginning of November is a very mystical time. and Um, It it, it ends with Halloween, or as the Celtic people call it, Samhain. And Samhain is an ancient Celtic festival. It marks the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter and the darker half of the year. Uh, It's a Gaelic custom. Let me say that one more time. For the people in the back that like to scream, It's evil. No, it's a Gaelic custom. <laughs> Meaning it's Irish. Um and it's celebrations with feasts, bonfires, rituals, even bobbing for apples would take place. And we can see over time how this kind of inspired the modern holiday. Holiday? The modern holiday of Halloween. Um now it kind of sound kind of relates to the veil between worlds and this mythical thinning at this time of year. So the veil between the worlds is a symbolic gateway that kind of separates the physical world from the spiritual realm. And the autumn months on the wheel of the year represent the season of death, which is really about transition and change. Now, during this time, many around the world believe that the veil between the worlds thins and becomes more permeable, and you can actually talk to the dead. Those of us that do it year-round, it gets very, very loud this time of year. (laughs) It's kind of annoying. Um, So it's, I mean, okay, I get it. Stories of strange rituals, conjuring spirits might leave some feeling very uneasy and uncomfortable, not want to talk about it because, you know, they're worried about darker things. But one of the most important things that you need to take away from the thinning of the veil is that it provides us an opportunity to honor those who have come before us, our ancestors. As a spiritual person coming from a Celtic lineage, that would be me, Um, I'm kind of saddened that some of the traditions are no longer commonly practiced or even passed down because they're very important. It's more about honoring our ancestors, honoring those that have come before us. Those have that have laid the groundwork for who we are today. And science, science has actually proven that you carry a strand of every piece of DNA of every one of your ancestors since the beginning of your line they're all in you so this gives us the opportunity to honor that and um there are there are several <laughs> what are you doing okay carry on <laughs> We'll talk later. Um, You can, there are several things that you can do that would stay within your realm of belief, Um, but to kind of honor this time of year and honor the thinning of the veil, you can tell ancestor stories. You can ask your your living relatives about family members that you never met, Um, family members that may have passed over when you were a child, about a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or great-grandparents. Um, a lot of people will do like an ancestry DNA thing and discuss that and look into where they're from. And let me tell you, those things can be pretty surprising. You may think that you have all of one in you and find out you're Scottish. (laughs) It's kind of funny how that happens. You can take a nature walk. Uh, festivities and philosophies behind Samhain are deeply rooted in nature. And while you walk in a natural area, observe and contemplate what you see, hear, smell and touch. Experience yourself as part of the circle of life and reflect on birth and death as beautiful, beautiful cycles of nature. Um, now, for those of you that are unpracticed and unfamiliar with this particular activity, I would not necessarily recommend it. and. Um, I am going to very blatantly, very, as plain as I can possibly make it, a spirit plate is not an evil thing. A spirit plate has been something that many cultures do, um, especially around large celebrations, family gatherings. They will put a plate of food aside for the ancestors that have passed on, inviting them to the meal, especially in October, especially on Samhain. Um, To honor those who have passed on, you might like to place pictures and heirlooms on a flat surface where you can light candles around them. You might like to cook a feast with your family, leaving a chair empty and placing a plate of food on the table in front of it as a symbolic offering to your deceased loved ones and ancestors. And I also do know that the military um, in their legions, when they have a meal, will have a place setting for the lost soldier. It will be a plate that will be made up with food um, and at a table by itself for the lost soldier, for those that have died during war. Um, no matter what your beliefs, I invite you to kind of explore the deeper history of October and of Samhain. Now, the thinning of the veil. The thinning of the veil is is... Many things to many people. So between our world and the spirit world, there is something known as liminal space. The world. The word liminal stems from Latin, meaning limit, meaning threshold. Sorry, the writing is very small on this, and I'm trying to to kind of paraphrase. So vills are also thinnest in places where ecosystems and elements, earth, water, air, and fire meet. This includes sites like waterfalls, where you have earth and water, volcanoes, where you have fire and earth, and places in the world where the veil is perpetually thin, making it easier to connect with the spirit world year-round. Ley lines are big places. Um, Generally speaking, the larger the space, the thinner the veil can be but not always. Larger areas where the veil is lifted or even non-existent are known as vortexes. Um, some of these places may sound familiar. Sedona in Arizona, Ayers Rock in Australia, and Stonehenge in England, just to name a few. Also, where ley lines. Didn't I just say ley lines? I believe I just said ley lines, which are a grid of planets of the planet's magnetic fields cross. So when two ley lines cross that intersection point where the two meet whoo bubba we had one um we would go to gatherings in mansfield harvest fest and other events um big spiritual camp weekend sometimes it was a week and there was one particular spot where ley lines crossed and um My friend Franco, who does an incredible uh, horoscope every month. um, We weren't exactly sure where the ley lines crossed and he found it accidentally. He parked his car on it. When he went to start his car, car would not start. No matter what we did, we tried jump starting it. We tried boosting it. We tried everything. It would not start. And then uh, the landowners came down and they're like, you're on a ley line, dude. We're like, what? You're on a lay, You're where two ley lines cross. Push your car five feet that way. So we did. We pushed his car five feet off of where it was. Moved the engine five feet off of where it was. And he got in, turned it over, started, not a problem. So we kind of put a marker to not park here. It was hilarious. Yeah, it could not start his car no matter what we did. Um, To some ancient Celts, this signifies the last harvest and the beginning of the new year. Yay, happy new year. Uh, It is the space and time between summer and winter. It's the time of a harvest. Although we celebrate both Halloween and Samhain in the days between October and November, you may start to feel the veil thinning as early as September. And believe me, I have. Not going to lie to you. It has not been a fun time around here, Um, and I don't know if I would say luckily enough or scarily enough. I actually have documented proof. I have had witness to the activity that has been ramping up the last few weeks, getting closer and closer to the end of the month. My live studio audience is one of those witnesses, whether or not he will admit to it publicly or not. That is entirely up to him. But he has been on the phone with me when we have heard things falling and I have taken the phone and gone and we have investigated this entire apartment. There is nothing out of place. He has seen video of when I was sleeping of strange light anomalies. Um, I, I, I can post those videos if you so choose. Um, weird dreams specifically one that is kind of still stuck with me I did an audio recording of everything that I could remember of this dream um, and I do want to do some research I have to go to Georgina Island I want to do some research into events that have occurred in this area regarding the indigenous people oh I'm going to sneeze Yep. Just wait for it. Here it comes. It's coming. Heesh! Okay, that was it. I'm done now. Thank you. Um, because this dream was so detailed. It was so specific in things that happened in this dream um, that I don't think it was a dream. I don't think it was my dream. <laughs> I think I may have tapped into... Um, a passing memory, maybe from a spirit that had gone by. Um, somebody wanting to tell their story kind of put it in my head because it won't go away. It won't go away. I can still see it just as vividly as I did when I was in it. I still see it just as vividly as I did when I woke up from it and I recorded it. Um, everything the the and what's really weird is I have never and this is not a racist comment at all so don't take it that way I have never dreamt outside of my skin color I've never dreamt that I was anything other than me a white girl and in this dream I was a native girl I was an indigenous girl um And I was very angry and um, I was very angry at this grandfather of this person um, because there was a village and white man had come and wiped out this Indian village. And it wasn't teepees and longhouses. That wasn't that kind of village. It was a group of Indians, of of Native Americans that were trying to assimilate to... um, the white man way. They had built houses, they had a school, they had farms, they had a barns. Um, they were trying to live like their neighbors, and their neighbors went, No, and came and wiped out the entire village and chased the Indians out and killed them all. And there's one in particular, I see him running, and he's wearing um, doe skin. Breeches. he's wearing a cotton shirt um he's got long black hair it's tied part of it is tied back with a leather strap and he's running for the tree line and he's got a shotgun with him there are three small trees in front of him and he shoots all three small trees so that he has a clear path and then there's somebody standing on um almost like a parapet of a, a wall but it's Not. It's like maybe an upper window of a building or the roof of a building, the flat roof of a building. And he sights on the the indigenous man and he shoots him and he drops. And this girl, several generations later, is still very angry. She was raised in a traditional native village with the teepees and the longhouses, grinding the corn and, and um, tanning the hides, sewing the clothing and, and living like that. That's how she was raised because after this, after they were chased out of the village, they no longer wanted to live like the white man. They wanted to stick to their ways. They wanted to honor the old ways and, and teach their children the old ways. And that's how she was raised. Um, It has something to do with cattle as well. I see her standing at um, a train yard, but it's not like a a big train yard. It's kind of in the middle of this field. There's these long wooden chutes where I think they would load buffalo or cattle onto the train cars. And she's screaming at whoever that she's going to make them pay for what they did to her people. Like I said, this dream was like, what, a week and a half ago? Bed? This dream was like a week and a half ago? A week ago? Yeah. It was a while ago. And I still remember it that vividly. (laughs) And it hasn't changed. Like, the telling of it hasn't changed. I haven't embellished. Like, I haven't added anything to it. I haven't had any new memories. You know, sometimes you kind of remember more details about a dream or You know, but no, it's all been the same. So it's kind of, I want to look into it some more and, and research it some more. So, um, that is kind of one of the things that for me is an indication that I need to up my, um, barrier game (laughs) that I need to tighten up my, um, my walls and my protections and my shields because i don't allow things in anymore uninvited since the episode of the uninvited um and that was over 3 years ago now and it still haunts me and it still haunts me so it still haunts me and quote unquote it Still haunts me. It hasn't gone away completely. It's kind of always on the peripheral. On the boundaries that I set. No matter where I go. It's kind of like pacing. You know. Okay. You know um the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. How they were kind of walking the perimeter fence line. Testing for weak spots. So I have to stay very vigilant. Um And my... Electric fence will grow and shrink depending on where I am and who I'm with. Because some people I don't need to protect. Some people can protect themselves. Some people don't deserve my protection. (laughs) That's plain and simple. You know what? I'm not going to lie. Some people I am not going to expend the energy that it takes to widen my electric fence to protect them when they look down on me. And what I do. And I had a conversation with somebody a long time ago. About looking down on um, my abilities and my beliefs and what I do and what I can do and what you've seen me do and what you know I can do. And then asking me for help. Because you can't look down on. Me and what I do. and. Expect me to help you when you need it. It doesn't work that way. So we had a very long conversation and opinions were changed. Um, They realized that, yes, that was kind of very hypocritical. Um, it's, It's kind of like looking down on drinking, but, you know, having a beer every night. You, you, you can't so things were things were discussed and things were changed and opinions were were modified um because I don't I don't ever ask anybody to believe in what I do um you can or you can't I don't care I know what happens I know what I've experienced I know what I can do and Um, those that are lucky enough, ow, I did cut my finger with my nail. Ooh, that stings. I don't, because they're sharp little suckers right now. My natural nails, when they get brittle, are sharp. They will cut skin, I'm telling you. Um, those that are lucky enough to experience, uh, my accidental channeling. Um. There's no denying that that's what is happening, that that is what I'm doing, because I will tell you things that there is not a possible way in any way, shape or form that I could know this information. I don't do it intently, intentionally. I have had no formal training. I can't do it on a whim. It just kind of happens. Um, I should probably eventually learn how to control it. Um. But, you know, I'm 51 now, so we'll see. <laughs> um, I do know how to kind of keep them at bay. And, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of... Um, and, I mean, if you do plan on exploring your psychic abilities, um, I... <sighs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention that often people who are open or psychic are not aware of those abilities, and this can result in a drain of energy and the inability to know their boundaries. So I would suggest that if you choose to explore your psychic abilities, that you take the time to learn how to ground yourself as well as protect yourself. Because not all veils and vortexes are energetically pure. Trust me. And if you think you know what you're doing and you are confident in your abilities, go back and try again. Go back and and never, ever, ever, ever get cocky. um, With regards to the spirit world and the spirit realm and any form of negative or positive energy. Because not all things that come through the veil when it is thin are spirits. You will get negative energies. You will get positive energies. You will get land spirits. You will get land energies. And that is very much what happened to me. I was cocky. Um, I was trying to impress a non-believer who thought the place was haunted. Wanted proof, and I didn't take the necessary precautions, and I am paying the price. So, what (laughs) Um, now? I am getting a lot of my information just so you know from California Physics, Um, it's a really good website, it has a lot of really good, interesting. things about energy and um, the fitting of the veil. Now, remember, the veil refers to a metaphysical barrier between the world of the living and the world of the dead. And if anybody has ever taken metaphysical theory, yes, I'm pretty sure if Barbara is listening, she heard the eye roll and the inner groan of, oh, no. <laughs> Metaphysical theory is the theory of metaphysics, as it sounds. Um, It is is a fun subject. It is a not fun subject. And it ranks right up there with magical theory. Yep. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, um... This idea of the veil, by the way, is not exclusive to paganism, which um, was formed and practiced by the Celts in Northern Europe. In Greek mythology, the thinning veil was represented by Persephone's departure to the underworld. Like I said, um, it's a literal in Greek and Roman. It's a literal doorway. Now, during Samhain, Halloween. People would wear masks to trick spirits into believing that they were among the undead, and that would protect them. Uh, Today, the same thinning of the veil occurs. It's not like it's just stopped happening. It still happens. Um, The acknowledgement of it has faded. The belief in it has faded. It still happens. Strange things still happen. People still, you know, celebrate. Um, There have always been people who are more sensitive to the thinning than others. Um, or for whom it's always been thin. And if you're being affected by the thinning, you may feel anxious, nervous, or like you're being watched that tickly feeling in the base of your spine. I have had it in the pit of my stomach and the base of my spine for two weeks now. And it wasn't until this very moment that it dawned on me. Oh, that's what it is. It's not my gut instinct telling me something bad's going to happen. Um, it's just the thinning of the veil. Uh, you may also receive messages in dreams or through the thought or through thoughts that kind of pop into your head. If you're wondering how to handle this spiritual shift, there are several ways that you can deal with it, depending on whether you want to get closer or further from the thinning veil. Um, if you want to connect with the other side, you can embrace the thinning veil and try to communicate with the spirits around you, but please, 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 please. Please. Make sure you know what you're doing. Please make sure you consult somebody who knows what they're doing. Make sure you follow all the instructions that you are given. Don't Google how to talk to the dead. And follow those instructions, because that will either get you into a world of hurt. Or screw something up. So um, you can light a candle. The simplest way to interact with a thinning veil is to light a candle with intentions. Perhaps on an altar. A candle can work as a beacon for spirits and an altar creates sort of a spiritual space, Um, especially. If you utilize some photos and mementos of the people that you want to connect, uh, of those that you want to contact. So you say you want to talk to your grandfather, light a candle, put his picture beside the candle and go, yo, pops, want to talk? You know, but make sure you put a circle of protection around you because like I said, when you open a door, you don't know what's going to come through. Think of it this way. Think of it as you have your house, Okay. You open your back door, you open the gate in your backyard, and you walk away. You're expecting your neighbor to come in, but while that door is open waiting for your neighbor to walk through that door, you're going to get a squirrel, a raccoon, three skunks, a dog, a cat, the robber from two blocks over, 700 mosquitoes, and a June bug. Probably about 12 spiders as well. So, as you can see, when you leave a door open, anything plus what you want will come through. Um, Saying the names of the people you want to connect with can draw them closer to you. Might feel odd at first, especially if you've never tried it before. But the more you reach out, the easier it is for others to reach out in return. And again, I would be a bad, bad bad paranormal investigator, if I told you that this is a good idea. For those that are not trained in this, this is not a good idea if you don't know what you're doing. Um, Now, you may be surprised in what you feel. Um, You can ask questions. You might not always hear the answer, which is why it's good to have a tape recorder um again remember you're opening a door and you're inviting things in you may notice some activity around you like a sound or a drop in temperature this may indicate that your spirit guides are close it might indicate something else is kind of hanging around just be wary you can spend time in a graveyard do not recommend do not recommend now just so you know a lot of modern graveyards are not haunted are not. Um, The ones in New Orleans, ones like the ones in New Orleans, older ones, like you're talking 1800s, early 1900s, yes, they could be haunted. But most modern ones are not. I mean, come on, think about it in all reality. Are you going to want hang around where you're buried? No, you're going to go home. Or you're going to go haunt the ass of the person that pissed you off when you were living. You're not going to sit in a graveyard where your body is. Um, you can use divination tools. Again, not for the untrained. There are a lot of tools for divination that even beginners can use. Tarot seems too complicated. You can try a pendulum or a dowsing rod. I have all three. Um, both are tools that uh, will give you yes or no answers. They're able to detect anomalies, both underground and in the spirit realm. That said, if you want to do more advanced form of communication, tarot is best. It carries no risk. Bull. See, this is where I'm disagreeing with this website, with some of the things that they're saying, um, because they're not giving any precautionary Measures they're telling you, you know, tarot has no risk. That is crap. It says that there's no risk that spirits can come through the thinning veil, as it is not a portal. No, but you are opening up, you have to open up something to communicate with the other side, whether it's a door, whether it's a window. You need to open up something to speak to the other side. They cannot speak to you if that veil is closed. You try talking to somebody through a closed door. You're going to spend a lot of time on the other side of that door going, what? What? I can't hear you. What? you got to open the door. So don't tell me tarot is not risk-free. Okay? Because even when you're using tarot, you're talking to your spirit guides. Hello, they had to come from somewhere. They didn't come out of the deck. It's not how it works. Oh, dear Lord. Well, this site just lost all credibility. There should be a big warning sign on this site. Um, It carries no risk. Spirits can come through the thinning veil. It is not a portal. It is a tool for translating the language of the universe, which is already all around. In contrast, spirit boards or Ouija boards can be portals. Yes, they can. Uh, Okay, maybe not. I should have kept reading. I just saw the word Ouija board and assumed that they were encouraging you. When my mom had a store back, oh my gosh, I was in my late 20s, early 30s. No, I was in my mid-20s. And she had a craft store. And we also rented costumes out of the back of the craft store. So October was a big month for us. Uh, We would set up the front. It would all be all decorated for Halloween. We had fog machines. And she thought one year it would be a lark. And she ordered a whole bunch of Ouija boards to sell. I happened to be there the day that that order came in. I opened the box. I closed the box. I sealed the box. I looked at my mother and said, return to sender. Do not sell these. And she said, they're toys. Ages eight and up, and I'm like, no, mom, they're not toys. And she had mentally blocked out a time in her life when she had used one and had a bad experience. And my aunt reminded her because my aunt was with her because they hung out together. Um and yeah, she, they went back. She sent them back. We pulled them off the shelves and they went back. So um yeah, they should not be used by people who do not know how to protect and shield themselves from the unknown um if you're feeling the veil thinning signs will show up in both your dreams and your waking world look for recurring patterns animals symbols and motifs you may even notice messages for example if you encounter conversations about traveling abroad more often than usual while your dreams also show you visions of overseas travel that could be a sign from the universe if you begin seeing patterns write them down Uh, Maybe there are spirits trying to reach you. Often messages from the universe are hand-delivered by your spirit guides. Now, if you want to distance yourself from the spirits who are more present during this time of year, there are two ways to do so. You can try protection meditation, but if you're like me, you will suck at meditation. I'm way too damn nosy to block everything out. Uh, There are a lot of ways to protect yourself against spiritual and psychic energies if you're feeling uncomfortable with the thinning veil. You can do some personal research and consult a psychic medium. You can find simple meditations for positivity and protection, as well as some more powerful rituals. But if you've never done one, I wouldn't suggest doing one. Um, It's not like baking a cake. You can't just follow the instructions. There's a lot more to it. Um... You can perform a house cleansing or find somebody who knows what they're doing and have them perform a house cleansing. You want to clear negative energy from a space. The best way to do it is with respect rather than anger. Um, If there are spirits in your home, try to keep in mind that they were people, too. Uh, Just because you're dead doesn't make you a nice ghost. Um, Asking for space, boundaries, and peaceful coexistence is fine, but demanding that spirits leave the house might make things a little worse. No, you need to be forceful. You need to tell them this is my space. You are not welcome here. If you want to use tools to help with cleansing, you can try burning herbs or incense. Sage is great. Palo Santo wood and sweet grass are both excellent and sustainable alternatives to white sage. Salt water, bells and crystals can also be used for cleansing, especially for those who are sensitive to smoke. Uh, Whether you want to connect to the spirit realm or you feel like you need to get away from it, um, acknowledging that there are spirits around may help take away some of your anxiety. Setting boundaries as for the living and the dead alike, people in all stages of life and death are ultimately still human and want to be both respected and connected with. Uh, This is the time of year to focus on these things while the veil is thin and messages can pass through easily. So, again, don't do anything that you are uncomfortable doing that you don't know what you're doing, because it can get kind of um, messed up in a lot of ways like i knew what i was doing when i went into this house and i kind of threw caution to the wind i didn't pay attention to what i needed to do i didn't put certain things in place that i should have put in place and i paid the price and i am a seasoned veteran i know what i'm doing i have worked with energy i have worked with spirits for 20 plus years i have investigated haunted locations I have talked to the dead my entire life and I screwed up and paid the price. So if somebody who knows what they're doing can make mistakes, then somebody who doesn't know what they're doing can surely make big ones. So all of the things that I have suggested to do, I am putting the caveat that you do them under the knowledge that you are taking this on yourself. I am not encouraging you to do this, especially if you don't know what you're doing, especially if you've never done it before. Talking, communicating, connecting with the other side is no joke. Again, you can't always be sure that what you're connecting to, what you're talking to is your dead Aunt Rita. You can't always be sure that the energy that you or the spirit that you have pulled through that door is the one you want to talk to because negative energy will mask itself as somebody that you want to talk to and work their way in until they have the control that they need and then they take over they will mask themselves as children because what's harmless about a child You'll talk to a child. So I'm telling you everything that I have just said, things that you can do to connect, things that you can do to disconnect. Please do with caution. Please do with an open mind. Please do your research or find somebody who knows what they're doing. This is not for the untrained. All right, so now that I have lectured you about messing around with the thinning of the veil <laughs> and what that could mean for you. Um I think that is about it. There speaking of energy, like we were we have been talking about negative energies, positive energies. Um the human body is made up of energy. And if you've been following my TikToks at all lately, and I talked about this the last time too, self-care. Self-care is not the same as caring for yourself. And self-care has become very trendy. It's, it's become a buzzword to throw around. Oh, I'm doing self-care today. No, you're just being a lazy ass, not doing shit. You're not doing self-care. Self-care is... Doing the things to physically, emotionally, and mentally better yourself. Um, Some days I'm like, oh, I'm doing self care. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting my fat ass on the couch playing Hogwarts. There's no self care involved, there's just being lazy. Okay, there. I was trying to get my leg back up on the couch because my feet are cold. Um, But you need to be mindful you need to take self-care you need to recharge the energy that keeps you moving you need to tap into your body's own frequencies to be able to promote this well-being um now there are some forms of energy work that i'm sure you are already familiar with like acupuncture Reiki and things like that, but there are others that I'm sure you're probably not familiar with that I know I'm not familiar with, called like flower essences. So, everybody knows Reiki is a Japanese technique and it's an alternative therapy in which practitioners place their hands lightly on or just above the person in order to rid the body of blockages and improve their energy flow. Um, I am a Reiki practitioner, level one. Although I do things that I'm not supposed to do as a level one, like long distance Reiki. And, well, that got me a boyfriend. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I can't see his face. All I can see is the sun coming through the blinds. So I don't know if he's smiling, frowning, or what. Um, so you can do Reiki. They also call it in some... Um, spiritual groups it's called the laying on of hands for healing um so it's it's kind of like a massage but without the rubbing then there's breath work uh it's breathing but not like normal mindless your body just does it breathing think of breath work like an active meditation where you change your breathing patterns to boost mental physical and spiritual health Uh, Celebrities like um, Christy Turlington, they love the practice, which is apparently getting pretty intense. Think visions, outpouring of emotion, all of that kind of stuff. Smudging, one of my favorite energy workings. Um, You can smudge yourself. You can smudge your space. To clear out negative energies. Um, It's kind of like taking a bath in smoke. (laughs) What are you doing? You weirdo. Uh, Then there's reflexology. A lot of people um, use and practice reflexology. And it's more like a good foot massage. Um, It's based on the idea that there are different points in the feet. And apparently... There is a spot on the bottom of the foot that if pressed, you will orgasm. I haven't found it yet. Believe me, I've tried, but I haven't found it yet. Um, And apparently it can help like with your kidney function, your liver function. All the nerve endings apparently are in the bottom of the feet. So then there's tapping. And this is something that is fairly new to me. I've seen this tapping technique, like you tap certain parts for a certain period of time. It's called emotional freedom technique. Tapping involves touching various acupressure points on the body. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm being obscene now. Um, no, that's knocking, not tapping. Knocking boots. Um, that, that would relieve stress too, though. But this involves touching various acupressure points on the body in a specific pattern in order to ease stress, anxiety, depression, and possibly even chronic pain. Sounded more like knocking boots to me. <laughs> um, acupuncture. It's the idea of putting needles all over your body. and <laughs> But there are some pretty cool benefits from this ancient healing technique. Um, I have had acupressure. I have uh, degenerative disc disease. I have bulging discs. I had some severe back issues several years ago. And um, when the lupus first started walking was an issue, I had um, a really pronounced limp. I actually dragged um, walking for more than five minutes, my right leg would start to drag. So it was kind of, I looked like Quasimodo, you know, swinging my leg to try and walk. So they had me on some really heavy duty, um, muscle relaxers. I was on flexorol twice a day, little home plates. They were great. <laughs> and they, uh, they did, they, my doctor prescribed me acupuncture. And, um, they hit this one spot. I'm pretty sure she hit my sciatic nerve because the pain that ensued from that and my back has never been right since then. So I'm not saying acupuncture acupuncture doesn't work, but I am not an advocate for acupuncture at all. I did not have a good experience with it. I think it caused more damage. Um, so yeah. Uh, healing crystals. So, their sparkling gems are believed to contain vibrational energies, which have been scientifically proven, that work to heal and promote well-being. Now, that has not been scientifically proven, but the fact that they contain vibrational energy has been scientifically proven. Now, whether or not you buy into them, there's no denying that they definitely have a moment. Like Adele, Kate Hudson, they love them. Um, They're showing up in skincare products. They're showing up in our bras. Um, And then there's chakras, aligning your chakras. So your yoga instructor is always telling you to open up your chakras. You've got your crown, your third eye, your heart, uh, your solar plexus, your pelvic. And then there's the one at the bottom of the feet. Um, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I don't think I missed any of them. Um, there are seven. Okay. So let me see. Um, yep. Top of the head straight down to the bottom of your spine. I thought there was one at the bottom of the feet too. So there's crown. So one, two, three. Oh, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. (laughs) So there's your crown. Your third eye, uh, basically breath, throat, heart, solar plexus, pelvic, um, I think. So, yeah, they are, um, apparently when one of these chakras is blocked, it throws the whole mind-body-spirit connection into disharmony. I have actually had my chakras all opened one right after the other. And it's kind of like, have you ever had your spine cracked? You know, where somebody gives you a hug and it kind of like goes Bruh! from bottom to top. That's kind of what it's like having your chakras opened one after another. It's like your back just cracking. Um, it's really neat. And then there's flower essence. Now these infusions are made from flowers and are believed to harness the plant's vibes. Uh-huh. Yep. That's what it says. To promote well-being. So I think it's more of... Um, what do they call it um essential oil therapy you know that kind of stuff so yeah those are all things that you can kind of do if you're feeling really stressed out about all of the energies that are swirling around right now um but like I said everything that I told you about the veil and how to connect and or disconnect from it I tell you that with caution and warning And please don't just go out there willy-nilly, open your back door, and expect just your neighbor to come through. Because that's not how it works. So I am going to end this on that note, uh, on a cautionary tale, if you will. Um, I am the cautionary tale. Go and find the podcast. Listen to it. I talk about it all the time because it is a cautionary tale. I basically, um, and I don't swear on my podcast very often, but for this, I find it important. I fucked around and found out. (laughs) And um, I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Because it is really intense, it is not fun, and I will probably be paying that price for the rest of my life. So, yeah, don't do anything that you don't know what you're doing, okay? If you want to do something and you don't know what you're doing, find somebody who does know what you're doing. Because I can guarantee you, there will be people around that will know what you're doing, what needs to be done. All right, everybody, I hope you have a good week. And next week, it's going to be all about Halloween. It's going to be scary stories. It's going to be urban legends. It's going to be fun. So if you have a scary story, urban legend, or a real life recounting of an experience that you had that you would like me to share on next week's episode, you know where to find me. Um, I'm everywhere. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I do actually have an email for this. It's L-U-P-A-B-I-T-S at gmail.com. So you can email me there. You can email me at lupabardi at gmail.com. Um so yeah, you can get a hold of me and I will put your stuff up on the episode next week. All right, everybody, you know the rules. Be kind, whether it's to the dead or to the living, just be kind. Don't lick shit. Seriously, don't lick shit. Because if you do, you might get a TikTok violation. Just saying. Don't lick shit. All right, everybody. I will talk to y'all next week. See ya. Carry on, son.
0: There'll be peace when you are done. Let your weary head to rest Don't you cry, Don't you cry.